Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Stewardship is your home and how you manage your finances and how you manage your time, how you get along with your connection of relatives, even how you raise your animals. Because the Bible tells us that a man who values his animals is a good thing in the eyes of the Lord in the book of Proverbs. You learn a lot by people how they treat animals and societies by how they treat animals as well. See, our stewardship is the person in the mirror, the person of covenant if we're married, the children entrusted to us, our influence on our grandkids and future generations coming from our descendants, if you will. And it's our service in the local church, our accountability in that service. That's our stewardship. And so the church moves forward in action with our stewardship. When we know something's what God's called the church to do, then we need to do it. This morning, the men were here. And I reminded the men that one of the five core values, absolutely, of the, human, of the universe, listen closely, one of the five core values of the universe is the authority of the church of Jesus Christ on planet Earth in time, space, and matter. Jesus said, to you I give the keys to this kingdom. And there is no entity or organism or existence of human beings gathered together that even can be compared to the church of Jesus Christ. In all of its failures and frailties and blemishes, there is no place that's the pillar and ground of truth except the church. And to no one did Jesus say, I give you the pillars of the kingdom. Not to any ethnic group, not to any country in times past or times future. When Christ comes back in glory, however it plays out, the church will be standing. We've outlasted Rome and every other kingdom that comes and goes and will continue to do so. So when we think about taking action, stay with me because they took action. This context is taking action to do what must be done for the kingdom on behalf of the king. Don't be soft. We need to have fiber and we need to have a backbone and we need to have courage. Because every step forward with God's will, you got to fight for it. You want to be soft? Go home, turn on your TV, and waste your life. You can do that. But if you want to be something in the kingdom and something in time, you have to fight for the will of God in your life. And every step forward in the light is a step forward against the darkness being repelled a step backwards. And it's always a battle. Never underestimate what a battle it is to save one soul, to just share the gospel with one person. The great lesson of Vermont was 14 months to learn the value of one soul, Owen the dishwasher. And everything it cost me, my reputation, my wealth that I had, everything, Jennifer and I both, to lose everything and spend 14 months in a state that had no interest really as a whole in knowing the gospel, but to have one person, Owen, the 34-year-old dishwasher, say a prayer to receive Christ. 
And what we went through in 14 months in a dark land, in a dark place of spiritual battles for one soul was the most valuable lesson. Like Jesus and the apostles going across the Sea of Galilee, and there's a crazy man out of his mind. But to see him restored in a right mind and telling him to go home and tell your family what great things the Lord has done for you. A storm so fierce to save that crazy man that the fishermen who made a living on that sea said, we're going to die tonight. This is the storm that sinks our boat for one soul. Now more than ever, we have to have fiber and commitment to get after it and do whatever it is the Lord is calling you to do, whether you want to do it or not. Because discipleship isn't feeling good. Discipleship is being disciplined, self-disciplined, to do what the king is calling us to do as a disciple of his. And there's hard things to do sometimes for the kingdom. But it's worth doing. Because there's nothing more worth doing than obeying the Lord. In this story, we see some great leadership from David. First of all, <laughs> this is great leadership. He incentivizes and he delegates, right? I mean, this is basic. Like, he's like, hey, you incentivize people. The kingdom is a quality effort, and you have to go after things, and you have to be committed, and you have to hustle on, you have to have desire, determination, and persistence. And by the way, this is what I was really thinking about with this story with Joab and the leadership from David. Because David, he was incentivized. And he said, look, whoever, he learned this from Saul, right? Because Saul said, whoever takes down the giant gets my daughter to be a wife. But Saul wasn't true to his word because he drove David out and David lost his first wife. David said, whoever takes the city, you're the commander. Whoever wins the job gets the job. Find a way, get it done. I've mentioned this before, but in studying people who live for the world and money, I'm always fascinated by what they do for money, and I think, how much more should we do it for the kingdom? But Henry Ford, Henry Ford, the grandson, when his engineers told him there was no way to build a V8 engine, he said, there is, and don't come in here till you found a way. That's just how things get done. And we do, we take action David, he said, this is the capital. You don't, you don't let, when you know the Lord's giving you a yes, you say no to the devil's no. In other words, I'll say it this way. We do not accept no when it's God's yes. Man, you got to deal with things in life. You got to confront people. You got to confront family members. You got to confront things with the will, the trust, and the power of attorney. You got to confront things with your boss, with your coworkers, your siblings, your adult siblings. You have to confront things because if you don't, who's gonna? And if you know the Lord's calling you to do it, you have to do it. And whether you want to do it or not, whether it costs you a good night's sleep or not, will reveal how much trust you have in your heart with the Lord. I had a situation managing my dad's finances about five years ago, actually about three, right when the COVID thing broke out. But um, my mom had insisted my dad had X amount of wealth with these uh, UBS people back on the East Coast. They'd handled my mom's money for decades. My mom passed away, as many of you know, right about that time. And I was doing homework on finances because if, you know, if you show yourself diligent, God will show you stuff, beneficial knowledge, BK. And I had it concerning finances. And I knew the way my dad's money was stored, it was not good. He was going to lose money. It was a good chunk of money, six digits. And I prayed and prayed about it. And I was like, okay, I don't know as much about money. I talked to Susan Branch, Steve Williams, other people, Devin Molina, people I respected have, you know, are successful that way. 
But I'm like, okay, Lord, I, I'm so intimidated. I can't call mom. You know, you know, you know what it's like when you want to call mom and she's not there anymore? Raise your hand. You know what it's like you want to call mom? Ma, ma, what do I do? And she's not there. And it's like you and the Lord. Losing your mom's huge. Especially losing my mom. And I was like, okay, I'm so intimidated by these money people because they want you to be intimidated. They can do what they want with your money so often. But you, you, listen, man, my dad's money was my stewardship legally and spiritually. And the Lord put in my heart, you need to get that money out of there and put it here. And I'm intimidated to call these people. They've handled the family money for 30 plus years, my mom and my dad. And then the night before, it was a Sunday night, the Lord woke me up and had me review some of my notes on my phone, going through like things I educated myself on, and I connected the dots that his money was about to lose a lot of money. And if he'd stepped, kept it there, he would have lost 30000 plus. And the Lord said, you're not asking for half of it back. Don't be intimidated. It's your stewardship. It's your dad's money and your dad's your stewardship. You call those people tomorrow morning. I got your back. You tell them you want all that money transferred now. And I knew the Lord had spoken to me. I fell asleep in peace. I woke up. I was pretty nervous about it because when you're telling people to release $100,000 plus. But I did. It was an eight-minute phone call. And by God's grace, I've made a lot more money from that money since then on behalf of my dad and my siblings who shared the estate. Because I sought the Lord, I listened to the Lord, and I did the hard thing he told me to do. I was like, Lord, can't we just leave it there? Can't we just leave it there to be non-confrontational? Sure, it'll work out. We can trust the government and the dollar, right? No, you can't. No, you can't. Okay. Do what you got. I can see my mom going, go. I was Catholic mom, go. You do what you got to do. <sighs> okay, Ma, we got this. <laughs> Listen, you got to take action. There's things we got to do. And WG, you got to do it. You, ju- you just got to do it. Jesus, what did Jesus do? He healed on the Sabbath. Do you think every t- I mean, like, Jesus like, can you picture the apostles, maybe Peter and these guys like, hey, can we just do this on Sunday or Monday? Like, why do we have to do everything on Saturday? Because that's what he was called to do. He had to heal on Saturday to confront the falsehood, the false teaching, and the doctrines of men. He had to do what he had to do. And Jesus healed on Saturday over and over to the point where it says they wanted to kill him. But he kept healing on Saturdays. Because that's what he had to do. He set his face like Flint to Jerusalem, like we talked about last week, Luke 9, because that's what he had to do. For this purpose, he came to die on the cross for our sins, and he had to go. And even there in the garden, Lord, if Father, if there's any other way, no, there is no other way. They're coming right now. And Judas is leading them. Because that's what he had to do. This story of Joab and David, the, the, the incentivizing Joab, he became the chief, delegating to Joab, he found a way. And that's what you do, you find a way. Proverbs says, a wise man scales the city wall and takes the city. You find a way. If Henry Ford can tell those guys, no, don't come back in here until you have a V8, you know, like, how much more for the kingdom? Well, oh, look, the, the nation's closed. We can't get the gospel there. People like George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, uh, Amy Carmichael, these people changed the world because they found a way when people said, no, you can't come here. No, you can't come here. Time and time again, those great missionaries went into colonial areas in Asia and Africa. And like, no, no, no. And they said, yes, yes, yes. 
When the Sanhedrin said to the apostles, you can't preach in his name anymore. Don't you do that. And you throw you in jail for a night just so you think about it. And then the next day, the Lord released them. And where were they? They were in the court preaching Jesus Christ. Because the church is the final authority on planet earth. And we're the pillar and ground of truth. And as long as we know we're in God's will, we know we are unstoppable. Joab took action. He got it going. Jesus leads the example of the book of Acts. In one generation, that same group of people that were told in, in Acts 4 and 5, don't you mention the name of Jesus, in one generation, through the persecution, the rejection, the sufferings, and the tribulations, the entire Roman world, including Caesar himself, within one generation, had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without social media. In one generation. WG, it's an exhortation. When God says yes, you cannot accept the no's of men and humanity. The higher law is always eternity and the gospel and the great commission. And there comes a point where you want to be respectful. We always want to be respectful because we have a heart for people like a shepherd. But there comes a point when you just got to, the Jebusites can figure out whatever they want to do, but we're taking the city. We're doing this because this is what God's called us to do. In your home, in the church, in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Because on this planet 200 years from now, if nothing changes, I mean like the Lord hasn't come back, the church that exists in this soil, this land, because remember the missions were like 250 years ago, Father Juniper Sierra and those type of people. Look, the Zusa Street Revival, early 1900s, 120 years ago in Los Angeles. If we're all gone and there's a future generation of generation, generation, and Mark Coca's great, great grandkids are doing ministry in the year 2150, the church will still be here and will still be entrusted with preaching the gospel and fulfilling the great commission. That is the center of the universe, Jesus Christ and him exalted. Get a vision, don't overthink it. You know, they say in business that the difference between the 20% that make 80% of the revenue in any industry, the common denominator, first of all, is they have goals and they take action. They have goals and they do something. So if you just have a goal and a vision, write it down and do it, you're in the top 20% right away in the human experience, by all statistical records. And if you want to be in the top 5% of that 20%, show up early. And if you want to be in the top 3% and really advance in life and with the King Jesus, with King Jesus for all he has for us, get it done quickly. The highest paid people on planet Earth get paid because they show up early, do the job, and they get it done quickly. They get it done with urgency. And who should have more urgency than you and me on the clock for eternity with one life that's a vapor? Vision, goals, get it in Jesus' name. Because they did it all for all this wealth they left behind. It's all going compound wealth for them. But they're long gone. Pastor Chuck, Billy Graham, you and me, Greg Laurie, our goes compound for generations and generations till this age is over. Everything you do in Jesus' name, it, it just, it's a compound effect. It multiplies to the umpteenth power, to the umpteenth power. It just keeps going. They can't give all their money away, and we can't lose all of our glory for faithfulness to the Lord. <laughs> their money doesn't transcend dimensions, but our faithfulness to the Lord does. That's the big difference. The last thing we see is the team. David built a great team. Verse 10. So we have shepherd, the heart of a shepherd, the action, getting after it, taking the initiative, 
doing what's difficult, getting it done, make it happen, taking the city, and then David and his mighty men. It says that they were, these were the heads of the mighty men. So there's, David had a lot of mighty men. He had hundreds of men that rallied around him before he ever became king of Hebron and Judah, let alone all Israel, and that he strengthened them, they strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom. I'm talking about this Tuesday night. Obviously, as we draw near to the Lord, we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them into myself. And we find strength and we find comfort and we find hope in our time with the Lord. Scott prayed earlier about slowing things down and just being with the Lord. Jesus called men to himself and women and they got away and they were with the Lord and they got clarity and they got peace and they got great commissioned. David's mighty men are interesting how they're organized. There's four groups of three and they're layered before you get to the rest of them. When you go through this chapter up to Beniah through verse 22 up to 25, you'll see that there are increments of three. There's the first three, the next three, the three that went to Bethlehem and got the water from the well, another three with uh, Joab's brother in that three, and then Benaniah in the fourth group of three. So literally David had 12 that were distinct from the rest. Isn't that interesting? David had four groups of three that were these chief among the mighty men, and then he had the rest of the mighty men. And of those mighty men, he even had a Moabite, he had uh, an Ammonite, he had someone from the tribe of Reuben. Man, they just came to him. And we've seen in Samuel that there at the cave of Abdullam, that the men that came to David were in debt, in distress, and discontent. In debt, okay, that's it's hard to start a business when everyone's in debt. It's hard to get any economy going when everyone's in debt. But they were in debt. They were in distress. They were, they, were, they were drama people. They were men with drama. But perhaps the most profound one is they were discontent. That's... As a summary of these men, it's like, man, that's, this, is a, this is brilliance in leadership. Because David took men who always complained. And when you complain and you have excuses, you're the victim. That's what it is. When you make excuses and you complain, you're the victim. Oh, it's this thing's fault. I'm a, I'm a, it's fate. It's the universe worked against me this day. When you make excuses and you complain, you make yourself the victim. You're the victim of something that happened to you out of your control. But when we and I, you and I, accept responsibility, then we're free. When we own everything, we're free. And that's what David did. We talked about David Tuesday night. When he was confronted for every sin, he said, you are right. And he owned it every time. When Abigail's like, when you're a king and all this, this will be nothing to end it. He's like, thank you. He received her. It says he he respected her spirit, her person, it says, with Abigail. David, see, David didn't make excuses. David owned everything. He accepted responsibility. And it's only natural that men would draw near to him, and they're discontent, and they're, they're complaining about everything. He's like, would you just stop it? Here in the cave of Abdullah, we're not about victims. We're about victors. We're not about being victims of what people do to us, like throwing spears at us in the palace. We're about victors, about being anointed by King Samuel and fulfilling our purpose in life. So if you want to stay in this cave with me, faith thinks and acts. I'm going to show you how a woman of God carries herself in the good day and the difficult day. And I'm going to show you what faith looks like. I'm going to show you what a heart for God looks like when you hang out with me in this cave. And I may have to tell some of you, stop talking like that. But some of you, I won't need to tell you that because you'll catch on quick. That doesn't go with me. This is amazing leadership of David. He built a team around his faith in the Lord, being, being, being led by the chief shepherd and being a shepherd. He, his life and witness and his very disposition and how he saw things. 
it so influenced and impacted these men that from these men that had nothing, they became great men. Like I said on Tuesday night, reading the list of these men, they're not just names of people who happen to be part of a tribe like previous parts of Chronicles chapters 1 through 9. These men are here for a reason. They're not just here because they're a Reubenite or a Gadite or a Manassehite. They're, they're here because they're mighty men. Because they're men that were a train wreck and they ride around this king before his kingdom came. Ooh, sounds like the church. It's here, but it's coming. And they let this king's life and witness influence them for good. And he elevated all of them. Because it says they strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom. And we come together as the body of Christ and we're singing songs, and we're praying, and we're fellowshipping like the men this morning. We are strengthening ourselves with the king in his kingdom. That's what we're doing. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another countenance. As a woman sharpens another woman, and they sharpen each other's countenance. When the women get together, and they pray together, and they gather together, and it's the word, it's the fellowship, and all these beautiful things are happening. That's what we do. We, we, we speak life in the cave of Abdullam, and we make sure we remind ourselves that we're victors in Christ because the victory's already won. We're not victims. And we, we change our mindset. We cast off those filthy rags of being an Adam and we put on the glorious robes of righteousness promised to us in eternity and we walk in it now. See, when, you, when we live like we're in eternity right now, we're, we're becoming what we're supposed to be. See, in the business world, they always say, don't dress for your job, dress for the job you want. Like, that's one of the most basic principles of business. Like, don't dress for the job you have. Dress for the job you want. Don't act like the person who's assistant manager. You want to be the boss of everything? Then carry yourself like that person. Well, how much more so the body of Christ? We, we need to carry and conduct ourselves in the victory that's established. Or as Dr. David Livingston, the famous missionary, said, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. The man who changed Africa for Jesus. One of the hundred most respected men of influence, human beings of influence in the history of Great Britain, in the top 100. And the man that fought slavery in Tanzania, when most of us came and find it on a map, was not being identified. He went to Africa, endured so much, and he changed the world, and he fought to free the slaves. And he changed the world. And we happen to support a missionary in Tanzania who is in the same town where the David Livingston Museum is, a little teeny museum that highlights with photos of the things that he did to elevate the people of that culture in Jesus' name. That's who we are. That's what we do. So we go forward. We build our team. We make things happen. We have faith. We have inspiration. We have unity. We have focus. We have values. We have purpose. And we go forward in Jesus' name. I was studying John Johnson recently. He's the famous black man that started Ebony Magazine. He came from extreme poverty in Arkansas. The mom moved to Chicago where he was mocked and ridiculed for being a country bumpkin, even amongst the middle-class blacks of Chicago. And from that culture, he rose to great prominence in faith with God, philanthropy beyond measure, and was a huge leader in the civil rights movement. And one thing he never did, he never allowed anyone, based upon any reason, to accept excuses for where they came from. But he only told them they had to go forward with where they were going and the things that God had for them. And that's us. That's the team we are in Jesus' name here at Worship Generation. That's a team the church is in Jesus' name whether the church accepts it or not. 
It's not who we were or what we were when we came. It's who we're going to be when we go forward with Jesus. We need to study people like that and realize that that's how we're meant to live. Always forward. So body of Christ, WG, be encouraged. Just as kingdom leadership in its beauty, in its highest level, in its highest ideas with David, the shepherd's heart, the action to even deal with difficult things. When they say no, you're like, no, it's yes, and it's a lead follower, get out of the way because it's got to be done, and we're going to get it done. We're going to find a way. And then building that team, leading that team through humility with the shepherd's heart, with dealing with difficult things, but really inspiring people to stand in victory, to sharpen one another, and to build up the people around us and just keep it going forward with faith and optimism in the promises of God. <laughs> I'll close with this thought. Zig Ziglar rightly says that being positive doesn't accomplish anything, but it's a sure lot better than being negative. Isn't that the truth? We of all people through faith in Jesus Christ should be the most positive people on planet Earth because with our, our promise, with the promises of God behind us and the glory in front of us, man, let's be leaders. Let's be led. Let's be leaders. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.